Welcome to episode 96 of the Tennis Podcast. I am your host, Nick Amell. That wasn't enough bebop. That wasn't enough spring in your step. I am your sidekick host, Brandon. Well, Brandon, right before we hit record, we were just talking about how stupid this country is with COVID. So excuse me for being a little... We brought ourselves down, got ourselves down in the dumps, gave ourselves a good case of the grumps, and then decided to hit record. I said, we got to get... It's the truth. Said I had been, I had bebopped, hop, skipped, and jumped into my office to record. And then this grouchy bag started telling me me about, yeah, <laughs> whoa, yeah whoa. started telling me about all the problems in the world no i'm kidding. No, problems in america yeah uh yeah all the problems in america uh relative to the rest of the world but anyway we need to keep hop skipping and jumping isn't beatbox and skip it whatever you said isn't Bebop. that what george says in one episode of seinfeld bebop hop skipping and jumping yeah something like that anyway it's a mystery well, we're not going to smile and laugh and get in a good mood and beatbox and skip and jump today because we got another dark, depressing as shit topic. I'm going to bebop anyway. I'm just kidding because, well, real quick, this show, if you're new, it's a show where one of us brings a top 10 list on whatever the fuck and the other tries to guess in real time. Yeah. So, the last two episodes were the deadliest cults in history and the most stressful jobs in America. Mm -hmm. So, I feel like we all need a laugh, right? We need a smile. Yeah. We need to beatbox and skip and jump, whatever the hell. So, we're going to do that today because today I brought the list and we're going to be talking about the highest grossing films of the career uh -huh. of Is it Jim, Jim Carrey? Carrey? Yeah, I saw you, you tweeted Jim about Carrey. Jim Carrey. I started getting in Jim Carrey mode earlier. Maybe that's why I was hopping around here with so much energy. Were you literally hopping? No, I was like just- Like a bunny around your office? No, I came back inside. I was getting stuff together. I was just feeling good about life. Sure. Jim Carrey. He's a funny guy, or at least he used to be. We're going to talk about that. And uh, man, I had fun with these notes today. There's so much Jim Carrey hashtag fun facts and hashtag hot takes. I didn't expect to come across, but here we are. These are his highest grossing films? Yeah, so let me tell you about the list. Highest grossing films globally, and my sources are Box Office Mojo, which is the number one authority on box office performance, as well as JimCarreyOnline.com. <laughs> His own website lists his accomplishments like that? Well, I don't think he manages the site. Oh. But, and I supplemented with Wikipedia. Brandon, tell me about Jim Carrey. What do you think of Jim Carrey? Two sentences or less. He's got a silly face. Yeah. I, I, what do I think about him? Yeah. Well, since I saw you tweeted about Jim Carrey and I was just hoping that's what this was about today, uh, earlier, I was thinking about, I really appreciate Ace Ventura 2, When Nature Calls. I think as far as comedy sequels, comedy sequels usually suck. Like, I think Dumb and Dumber 2, I didn't even see it. I just heard it sucked. Yeah, I saw it. I heard it sucked major ass. Did it suck major ass? Uh, I only saw it once. I don't really remember that much about it, but I remember being disappointed. Ace Ventura 2, When Nature Calls, is, I think, a really funny comedy sequel. In fact, I think it's funnier than the first Ace Ventura. Yeah, I do too. He's an odd duck, this Jim Carrey. Yeah. Watch his Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee episode on Netflix and you'll see more about how weird he is. But, you know, I think, I, I feel like we talked about this on Adam Sandler too, who we covered in like episode 50 something. He had like a pre-2000 and a post-2000 career because his 90s films are like cult classic, legendary, everybody loves him, everybody talks about him all the time. After 2000, there's much fewer of those. Jim Carrey is the same to me. You have his pre-2000, his 90s films, 
which are like some of the best comedy films ever. Not just the funniest, but the best. Written, best directed, all that. And then post 2000, there's like dozens of films and only like three or four, I'd say, are worth watching, in my opinion. Did you see the number 23? Oh, I sure did. <laughs> How was it? I didn't see it. It looked, it looked shitty. How was it? Let's preface by saying I saw it when it first came out, which was like in 2004 or something. I didn't so. see the first 22. That's pretty good. Well, you're probably the 23rd person today to make that joke about that movie. So, in my tweet you keep talking about, I put out a tweet on my Twitter and it's at the Nick Amell and I asked, but I phrased it in the way I just said a minute ago, what's the best Jim Carrey film pre-2000s, what's the best Jim Carrey post-2000s and I thought you and I could talk about what people are saying and compare, you know, and I think you're going to see pre-2000s are better. So, let's read a few answers. People remember those pretty fondly. Yeah, and I try to step back sometimes, same with Adam Sandler and think, is this just my own personal biased nostalgia? Or is this an objective view of his work that it decreased with time? Mm-hmm. Do you agree with me though or do you think I'm off base? I'm not sure what has driven his choices over time. I mean, well, I guess we're going to talk about him being weird later. He is an interesting guy. He seems to be pretty deep, like introspective. And I think in some way he wanted to be like taken seriously as an actor. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is a dramatic movie. He was really good in that. But yes, I don't know. He also has a lot of those serious movies that I think like nobody was in, interested in at all. You know, you mentioned how he wanted to be taken seriously as an actor. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do that after you talk out of your ass in Ace Ventura, right? <laughs> Imagine Some if uh, like who's a big dramatic... Who's a big like actor right now? It's really well respected. Ed Harris. No, no, no. Uh, well, Ed Harris is a good one, but I was thinking of uh, There Will Be Blood and Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, no, Daniel, Daniel Day, Day Lewis. Lewis. If Daniel Day Lewis had talked out of his ass in a movie, I think Daniel Day Lewis is more likely to talk out of his ass like Ace Ventura than Tommy Lee Jones or Ed Harris. Oh, I can guarantee that. I have a very interesting note on Tommy Lee Jones today. Believe it or not, in my notes. That will back up what you're saying. For now, let's talk about what people said on my Twitter about their favorite Jim Carrey films. No, not their favorite. I said the best. The Studying Scarlet podcast, at Study Scarlet Pod. I highly recommend them, by the way. True crime podcast. Their favorite pre-2000s film is Liar Liar. And their favorite post is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Two good movies. Mm -hmm. Liar Liar is one of my favorites. Doesn't get talked about enough. Our friend Polly from Australia, he put on Twitter that best one is Liar Liar. And post-2000s, it's Dr. Robotnik and Sonic. Did you see Sonic? No. My kid did. Okay. I escaped. We have some votes for The Mask from Simon at Precise Path on Twitter. He also voted Eternal Sunshine. Pretty much everybody that voted post said Eternal Sunshine. The only one I'm seeing that wasn't that is Bruce Almighty. So, yeah, we'll read more of those as we go, but why don't we get into it, Brando? Tell me about... Actually, I have a fucking intro to read. Hang on. Jim Carrey, this is from Wikipedia. He is one of the top 50 highest grossing actors of all time at the North American box office with over $2.5 billion total gross and his average gross per film is $94 million. And he has also been involved with 13 films that have grossed over $200 million at the box office. So, he's a big deal. He's got a lot of money. Yeah, and I... I think he's one of those actors that can, or at one point he could command like 20 million plus for one movie. Yeah. I call that that Denzel Washington money. All right, guess. 
Hmm. Highest grossing films of all time globally, Jim Carrey. Globally. How about The Mask? Does The Mask fall in the top 10? Where do you think it would be? Mm, seven or eight. It's two. Wow, I guess that really translated internationally. Do you get The Mask? Because I've seen The Mask. It's been a while, but I've definitely seen it several times. And it's just not like anywhere near my favorite. I think it's, yeah, I thought it was stupid. I think from the moment I heard that overused smoking, (laughs) that it was a turd. Did you know that it's based on a comic series? I did not. I can see how it would, I can see how it would be. It seemed, it was very comic booky. Let me tell you about it. The Mask. It was released in 1994. It's number two with 352 million box office globally. Here's the synopsis. It's about an American, it is an American superhero comedy film loosely based on the mass comics published by Dark Horse Comics. Carrie plays Stanley Ipkiss, a hapless bank clerk who finds a magical mask that transforms him into a mischievous troublemaker with superpowers, but who accidentally becomes targeted by the mafia uh, when gangster Dorian Tyrell intends to use the mask to overthrow his boss. That guy Dorian, do you remember him, the main villain? Uh, I yes. like that guy. How come he hasn't done more shit? Yeah, that, I just rem- realized that guy was um, creepy. Let me see that guy. What else has he been in? And a hell of an ass on him too. I know, like, I know he's been, oh, he was in Pulp Fiction. Oh, yeah. Okay. Still, same year too, 94. Well, you and I didn't love The Mask, but critics did. It has a 77% on Rotten Tomatoes. And Jim Carrey was actually nominated for a Golden Globe for his role. Uh, and the film was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. Lost to Forrest Gump. And did you know that up until this point, this is 94, The Mask was the second most profitable film based on a comic up to that point. Yeah. And that, you know, Batman and stuff had come out at this point. So, The Mask, it's one of three films featuring Carrie in 1994. Isn't that crazy? Three films in 94. Do you know what the other three are? That's the year he blew up. Uh, Ace Ventura and... That detective. Yeah. And what would the other one have been? Dumb and Dumber. Oh, Dumb and Dumber. They were yeah. both released in 94 and they helped launch Carrie to superstardom. The Mask was the most successful of those three films, so there's a hint. The film is also notable for establishing the previously unknown Cameron Diaz, yep. listener of the show. My last note is that a standalone sequel, I know you saw it, I know you own it. You can probably see it in your office shelf right now. The Son of the Mask. Did it star sequel. Jamie Kennedy? Yes. Yeah. Did not feature Carrie nor Cameron Diaz because they're smart. And it was released in 05. It was a critical and commercial failure. Could have saw that coming. Nobody. Nobody in the world. The Mask is number two. Okay. How about, well, we just mentioned one of them. Where does Dumb and Dumber fall on there? Would that be number five? Do you need me to call a doctor for your head because you're doing so poorly on this? Uh, I guess. This is embarrassing. Is number 10. God. Twice as low as number five. <laughs> okay. But it is number 10. Uh, it was released the same year, like I said, with $247 million. Brandon, is Dumb and Dumber his funniest film? Um, yeah, I think so. I think it's the one that holds up the best to me, like still makes me laugh now. I think it's the one that like stuck with people the most too. I'd say it's his funniest film. But despite that, when I was reading Twitter answers before, nobody said his best pre-2000s film was Dumb and Dumber. I'm angry. So. My followers are just dumb, I guess. Dumb and Dumber, maybe. Well, the synopsis for Dumb and Dumber is that it was a 1994 American screwball comedy film. (laughs) Screwballs. Starring Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels. Couple of screwballs. 
I'm going to add the word screwball to our podcast synopsis. I think people well, This will... is a screwball, madcap, slapstick comedy. <laughs> the movie tells the story of Lloyd Christmas, played by Carrie, and Harry Dunn, played by Jeff Daniels. Two dumb but well-meaning friends from Providence, Rhode Island, set out on a cross-country trip to Aspen to return a briefcase full of money to its owner, thinking it was abandoned as a mistake, but it was actually left as ransom money. You know, that is a pretty clever little plot, right? Yeah, it's, it's, is it a, yeah, it's a Farrelly Brothers movie, and it's definitely by far the best Farrelly Brothers movie. What else have they done? Uh, let's see. Kingpin, There's Something About Mary. Mm, that's a good one, though. Me, Myself, and Irene, Osmosis Jones, Shallow Howl, Stuck on You, Fever Pitch, The Heartbreak Kid, The Three Stooges, Dumb and Dumber 2. Yeah, like everything else they've made, like it just kind of sucked worse and worse. There's something about Mary was good, Kingpin was okay. Osmosis Jones is a classic. <laughs> sure. Um, but Dumb and Dumber definitely was the best of theirs. Yeah. Well, it got a 67% on Rotten Tomatoes. And let's talk about the Farrelly Brothers. It launched their career. Yep. And solidified Carrie's reputation as one of the most prominent actors of the 90s. The film, uh, Dumb and Dumber, I never knew this. It spawned an animated TV series. I don't remember that. As well as a 2003 prequel and a 2014 sequel. Now, Roger Ebert, uh-huh. friend and listener of the show, he gave the film two out of four stars when it first came out. He said it had hit or miss comedic elements but praised the performances of the two main actors and he dubbed Carrie a true original. And here's what he wrote. He wrote that the dead parakeet joke made me laugh so loudly I embarrassed myself. I just couldn't stop. <laughs> now, is, do you think he's talking about the pet's heads falling off line? No, I think he's talking about when he says, I took care of it. And then it cuts to the bird with its head duct taped back to its body <laughs> in the hands of the blind child who's petting it and going, pretty bird, can you say pretty bird? You know, that blind child was like 10. He might be blind, but he's not stupid. <laughs> but well, I guess I mean, he that's was. part of why it was so funny about that movie was there was just stuff in there that was purposely really stupid. I wish when you and I were stupid, it was on purpose. Oh, <laughs> it's usually not. It's, yeah, it's never. So, that cartoon, the animated series in 95, this is the year after it was released, Hanna-Barbera produced an animated series for ABC in the cartoon, Harry and Lloyd have reacquired their van, and the cartoon also features a new character, Kitty, a female pet, Purple Beaver, who appears to be smarter than both men. <laughs> but the co-writer of the film, Bennett Yellen, also wrote the series, but to no surprise, it was short-lived and shelved after one season. I want to know why they thought a kid's cartoon was a good idea when this movie was aimed for adults, or at least teenagers. Yeah, I was just thinking about that too. They used to have cartoon versions of movies that, like there was a cartoon version of Back to the Future. Yeah. It was right. aimed at like, you know, six-year-olds. Now, I let my, I guess, parental guidance was given and I've let him watch the Back to the Future movies, but he loves the bad language in them. And yeah, it's like they're saying, kids, go watch this movie where, you know, in Back to the Future's case, where a kid tries to F his mom in the past. Or his mom tries to... Oh, baby. Yeah. Uh, and they throw around uh, holy shit and uh, bastard like it was nothing. Like it was nothing. The bastards. The nerve. Like it was nothing. Did you know... I know you know this probably, but did you know that the hotel scene in Dumb and Dumber where Lloyd is waiting for his date <laughs> at... Yeah. 
Did you know that that hotel is the same hotel from The Shining? It's the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado. Oh, yeah. I knew that. I thought you were going to say something else. What did you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to say when he walks out of that hotel bar, he ad-libbed that part where he looks over. There's oh. a copy of the, of the newspaper from, you know, July 20th or 21st. 1969, you know, announcing the man on the moon. And he looks at it and he goes, no way. And then he marches triumphantly out of the bar going, we're on the moon. <laughs> I know, we landed on the moon. And the best part is he was pissed because when he was leaving the hotel bar and then that, that perked him right up. Yeah. He, oh, news. he was mad because he, uh, he knew Lloyd was Thought trying. he was stood up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was, oh, that was it. Lloyd. Yeah. Lloyd. Uh, Harry. Harry was getting with, uh, with uh, what's her name? Um, Mary Swanson. Mary Swanson. Samsonite. I was way off. <laughs> Swami? Swappy? Brandon, what's the funniest part of Dumb and Dumber? Oh, God. The funniest part of Dumb and Dumber. Let me think. When I think of Dumb and Dumber, what joke? Like, jump? Pets Heads is pretty good. Pets Heads. But it's a lot of the little stuff, too. It's a lot of like the, um, oh, no, there was one where Harry and Lloyd are, first of all, sharing a love hot tub mm-hmm. in a little motel. And then Lloyd says, what happened, Harry? A little Philly break your heart? And he goes, no, it was a girl. <laughs> yeah. And, and Lloyd goes, ah, like that's not, uh, yeah. makes, like doesn't make sense. There's a joke that I didn't get at the time. And it's, he's talking about being uh, jealous of a guy or either wanting to be like a guy. And he mentions wanting to ha- having a rapist's wit. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I didn't know like what he was driving at. Till years later. I realized he was talking about, he had heard someone say a rapier wit. And a rapier is a very quick, sharp sword. So, they're saying a quick wit is a rapier wit. And he had heard that yeah. and misinterpreted it as a rapist's wit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so, good times. He is the star of the movie, but Harry doesn't get enough credit. But Jim Carrey is definitely the, the star. Stop drag assing and guess already. How about me, myself, and Irene? No. That is number 17. Uh, does the movie Yes Man appear in the top 10? 11. I liked Yes Man. It, it doesn't stand up to like his 90s classics, but right. it's one of the better ones from the modern era. Do you agree with that? Uh, it stands out to me because I'm pretty sure it opens like over the Warner Brothers logo, a Journey song. What... Uh, what is what journey song is it that starts out but it's a very distinct keyboard that starts out that movie and i just remember that standing out like god damn they must have paid a bunch for that song because they used the shit out of it multiple times this is what you're talking about you're using our valuable airtime for that that's what i stuck out to me from that whole movie yeah. well yes man's 11 is ace ventura the first one in the top 10 no it's 18 what about ace ventura 2 when nature calls 12. Mr. Popper's Penguins? <laughs> I did not think you'd remember that, but no, it's 15. It's actually the first one I wrote down. Batman Forever. Batman Forever. It's got to be number one. Is number four. God bless it. Now, you know more about this movie than me. In fact, I've never seen it. So, give the folks a lo- the lowdown on this movie. Jim Carrey plays the Joker. I'm not the Joker. No, the Riddler. <laughs> I'm off already. He plays the Riddler. God damn. Uh, his Riddler is, a, is, I think he's like a scientist or something, which isn't right. Uh, anyway, 
he's Edward Nigma, Enigma, and he's just full of all those little riddles and tricks. Enigma, holy shit. His Riddler wears um like green spandex. And I know that during the filming of this movie, I've heard uh, Tommy Lee Jones hated Jim Carrey. Yeah. He does not suffer fools lightly. Save that. Okay, so this is a 1995 film. It's number four with 337 million. And in fact, it has the lowest slash worst Rotten Tomatoes score of any Carey film in the top 10 at 39%. It's a 1995 American superhero film produced by Tim Burton. There's your first problem. Based on the DC Comics character Batman. Never heard of him. It's a standalone sequel to the 1992 film Batman Returns, third installment of the Warner Bros. initial Batman film series. Now, the plot focuses on Batman trying to stop Two-Face and the Riddler in their villainous scheme to yep. extract confidential information from all the mines in Gotham City and use it to learn Batman's identity and bring the city under their control. Sounds kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, if you take it as like a 90s version of the 1960s Batman, it's a lot more fun. If you try to take it as like, you know, badass Batman. The Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah, it's, then it's not too much fun. Criticism for the film was directed toward the CGI. Val Kilmer's performance, who took over as Batman, that's his one Batman movie, right? Mm-hmm. Costume designs and tonal departure from previous films. But critics praised the visuals and performances of Carrie and Tommy Lee Jones. The film was followed by Batman and Robin in 97, which had George Clooney replacing Kilmer as Batman. Brandon, who's your favorite? It's Michael Keaton, right? Yeah. Of the, the 90s Batmans. Okay, so who's better, George Clooney or Val Kilmer? Mm, Val Kilmer. Is George Clooney still like a hunk or is he, are we past that point with him? No, I think he's still a hunk. How old is he now? Is he Like male actors get to be hunks a lot longer than, than they'll give that same uh, leeway to women. George Clooney. I'm going to guess that he is... 60 years old. I'm going to guess 59. 59. He is 59. Knew it. Well, that was very exciting. Yeah. Uh, So, I'll give our listeners a minute to pick themselves up off the floor. Let me tell you one more note and then we'll get to our friend Tommy Lee Jones. The 68th Academy Awards Batman Forever was nominated for a bunch of shit but lost to Braveheart and Apollo 13. And that was probably the right choice. Why would Batman Forever be nominated for anything? It was nominated for cinematography and sound effects editing. Oh, I guess it did have good sound effects. Sure. I remember that. (laughs) Boom, pow. Okay, so the director, Joel Shoemaker, I know that name. What else has he done? Joel Schumacher? He made a bunch of, he's made a lot of bad movies. Let's see. He's like, that's all he does is make bad movies. First of all, let's see. The Lost Boys was his. The Lost Boys is actually pretty good. What okay, else would so you So, your know? argument falls apart immediately. The Client. I don't remember that very much. A Time to Kill. The Client and A Time to Kill are John Grisham novels. So, if he just made them the same story that John Grisham did, he'd probably do okay. Eight Millimeter with Nick, Nicolas Cage. Phone Booth. With Colin Farrell, I remember seeing that one. I he like made phone booth. The fucking good... number twenty-three. Oh, did he? Boom! Yeah, he's a winner in my book. And he also did two episodes of House of Cards. I think that's a more good than bad on that list. Well, I didn't read everything. There's a lot of bad. Okay. Well, Schumacher, the director we've been talking about, he had problems filming with Val Kilmer, whom he described as quote childish and impossible. <laughs> Isn't it funny that these actors who like Val Kilmer? 
Like, I guess he's a name, but does anybody give a shit about Val Kilmer? I mean, they did at one point. He's been in some big movies. He is a good actor, but yeah, but he's also nuts. Schumacher said Val Kilmer fought with various crewmen and refused to speak to Schumacher for two weeks after the director told him to stop behaving in a rude way. Schumacher also mentioned Tommy Lee Jones as a source of trouble. Uh-oh. Quote, Jim Carrey was a gentleman and Tommy Lee was threatened by him. I'm tired of defending overpaid, overprivileged actors. I pray I don't work with them again. God damn. That's harsh. But Jim Carrey later acknowledged that Tommy was mean to him. He said that he told him once offset during the production, I hate you. I really don't like you. I cannot sanction your buffoonery. <laughs> I cannot sanction your <laughs> that buffoonery. That does sound like it. I cannot sanction your buffoonery. <laughs> what a dickhead. Is he? Tommy Lee Jones isn't like British, is he? <laughs> is that what you... Wait, because of the way he speaks or because know. he's grouchy? <laughs> because of the way... Who uses sanctioned buffoonery? Uh, let's see. He is from Texas and he speaks fluent Spanish. Yeah, I'll believe it when I hear it. College roommates with Al Gore. Did you know that? Now you know it, you... It's not true. Dumbass. It's political propaganda. Give me another guess. That was Batman Forever, which was number four. Is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind in the top 10? No. I'd kind of be surprised if it was. It wasn't even in the top 20. That's nah. one of those movies that wasn't like a huge commercial success, but it's probably one of his top critical successes. Right. One of his best movies. How about Bruce Almighty? Yes, sir. What number? That's got to be up there too. Like number five? One. That's number one. Wow. Okay. Bruce Almighty, 485 million. That seems kind of low for his number one film, doesn't it? I mean, well, I guess it's not adjusted for inflation. The movies that make the most worldwide are typically the, the ones that also have like kind of a, a broad and very easy to understand story. Like normal man mm -hmm. gets God's powers or takes God's powers over, hilarity ensues. Pretty easy for... Well, that's blasphemous. I don't think there's anything funny about it. <laughs> pretty easy for people around the world to get like that story versus, I mean, can you imagine being like from a completely different culture, completely different language and trying to understand what is going on in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? I speak the same language and am of the same culture and it's extremely difficult to follow what's going on. Everyone else's culture is wrong, right? <laughs> right. Uh, well, you said movies that do well are easily understandable in other countries. Bruce Almighty was banned in many countries, but I'll get to that in a second. It's a 2003 American religious comedy film. Yeah. Oh. How many religious comedy films are on your top 10? Score one for the Lord. <laughs> the film stars Jim Carrey as Bruce Nolan, a down-on-his-luck TV reporter who complains to God, played by Morgan Freeman, that he is not doing his job correctly and is offered the chance to try being God himself for one week. Now, in the, move, in the universe of this movie, do you think God had done that same thing for a lot of people? No, because it like seemed... Like simultaneously? Well, no, I don't think so. He seemed to get a lot of tension and cause a lot of stir for doing the things that he was doing. I got to think that this is the 70 billionth time that God has heard someone say, like, you're not doing your job right. That, yeah, what, that's what I'm saying. What that's is it point. about a white American TV reporter who has like, he has life by the balls and God is like, you know what? You need to have even more of life by the balls. You need to have the universe mm -hmm. by the balls. More balls. You know, uh, the more balls, the better, God says. 
should have instead of Bruce Almighty, it should have been some like some kid out on like the Serengeti. The Seren fucking Getty. Saying like, God, you're not doing your job and all of a sudden we're watching Indugu Almighty. <laughs> Wouldn't you rather watch yeah. Bruce Almighty but set with like just a kid who lives in an African village. He's starving somewhere. and he's like in a loincloth. No, he's and... not starving. No, I'm saying that's the type of person that might complain to God. Oh. Am I wrong? No, he's just complaining because like things aren't going his way. That's all that Bruce Almighty was complaining him. about. He was complaining about how his job as a TV reporter wasn't going as well as it could have. Can we see... <laughs> You're right. Can we see a version of this film where someone's complaining not to God but to Xenu from Scientology? And he becomes Xenu for or a week. to Satan. <laughs> there you go. Wouldn't you rather watch Satan Almighty? Always. No. Well, how about this? Satan gets God's powers. It's Satan. This is Satan where, Almighty. This is where everybody fell in love and started beating the hell out of the idea of Morgan Freeman is the voice of God. Mm-hmm. Who would play Satan? Who would make a good Satan? Val Kilmer. <laughs> Mel Gibson. <laughs> oh, you're fucking right. You know, when I was considering actors to do today, Mel Gibson was my first thought. And I ended up going with Jim Carrey because we needed a, we needed a chuckle. Mel, yeah. So, Mel Gibson will come. You should do him though. Yeah, you I should, should do, do the, the Mel, Mel Gibson. Gibson. I'm a bigger Mel Gibson fan. Mel Gibson movie fan. Mel Gibson personal fan. <laughs> I've backed off of that stance. <laughs> but he is quite a caricature. And he could play Satan really well with his big black and gray beard. He would make a good yeah. kind of goat man Satan. Ah, damn. Ripping on Mel Gibson now. <laughs> he's got, um, okay, a, he's well, got me... a good goat man beard. No, he does though. He does. And he's got a great hand for hammering nails into Jesus's palms in the Passion of the Christ too. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let me tell you about this fucking movie though. Can I do that? Yeah. It was the third collaboration between whatever the hell this director's name is and Jim Carrey who also did... Shadyac? Yeah, that guy. Shia Dynasty? Did you know that off the top of your head? No. Okay. I pulled, when say, we started talking about Bruce illness. Almighty... I pulled up the page so I could see some pictures. Well, it was their third collaboration, Liar, Liar, and Pet Detective, Ace Ventura were the first two. Now, this is the second lowest Rotten Tomato score in the top 10, 49%. Yeah, I thought it sucked. Did you? I kind of liked it. No, although, I didn't like it. It's been a while. Uh, this was my first exposure to Steve Carell. I remember seeing this in theaters and I had never seen Steve Carell before, but he stole the show. Uh, he didn't. He got his own almighty movie. Yeah, which was not good and bombed. This movie, Bruce Almighty, was at the time in 04, or actually 03, the top Memorial Day opening weekend of any film in history at that time. And it beat The Matrix Reloaded the next weekend. And it was the highest grossing film of 2003. Think about how much has changed since 03. Bruce Almighty was at 484 million, the number one film in the world in 03. 484 million. Mm -hmm. Last year, there were like six movies that passed a billion dollars. Yeah. Well, it's because there's... Hollywood a, has figured it out. Well, but there's also way fewer movies and way fewer risks being taken. So, a lot of that, movie, a lot of that money is bet on like sure bets. You know what I mean? Yep. No, you're right. It's a bummer. The sequel, Evan Almighty with Carell was the same director and all that. It was a critical... Oh, and you know what? Morgan Freeman was in that too. So, basically... It had all the players to make it a success. It had Steve Carell, it had the original director, the original writer, and Morgan Freeman, but it bombed critically and commercially. It had Did you see a, it? 
I did not. And it had a soundtrack and it had one of my favorite like phenomenon in the entertainment industry is when a movie has a soundtrack and it's titled Evan Almighty, music from and inspired by the motion picture. <laughs> and it always amuses the hell out of me that like they want us to think that an artist saw Evan Almighty. I remember uh, the first Mission Impossible had a similar soundtrack, music from and inspired by the motion picture. They wanted us to think that these artists saw Evan Almighty and were like, get me to the studio. I am inspired. Lightning has struck and I am ready to record. Uh, The soundtrack included uh, the song Revolution by Rascal Flatts. That way, was it in the movie or just the soundtrack? It was just in the movie. Elton John had a song in the movie. John Mayer had a song in the movie. Then the soundtrack has Leon Rimes, fucking John Fogarty. Yeah. From Credence. No, I, I assumed he was in it. From Credence, Stone Temple Pilots. Wait a minute, Stone Temple Pilots, what song? Revolution. I don't know. <laughs> ZZ fuck? Top's Sharp Dressed Man. Now that one I see because it... Remember that song, Everybody Dance Now? How could I forget? Every shitty movie has a scene where you hear, everybody dance now. And then that shitty song starts and that Evan Almighty sounds like a perfect movie for that song. But Steve Carell also does that song when he's Michael Scott in the office and he's holding the stereo above his head. Is that the song that plays in it? Yeah. It's really helped out his career, hasn't it? Yeah. We'll play it at his funeral. Yes, maybe. I told you this film was banned in Egypt due to the portrayal of God as a visually ordinary man. It was also banned in Malaysia and Egypt. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, sorry. Bans in both of those countries were eventually lifted after the censorship boards gave it the highest possible rating. <laughs> okay. So it was basically rated X in those countries. It was nasty. But hey, that's a step in the right direction. There's some right. countries like Saudi Arabia, I'm sure, that never showed it. Yeah, you get your head chopped off there. <laughs> Can you the, imagine? Evan like... Almighty was PG. You're like, you're in there, like, ah, what are you getting your head chopped off for? Oh, I fell in love with my friends, with another man's wife. What are you getting your head chopped off for? I, I took the name of Allah in vain. What are you getting your head chopped off for? Uh-huh. I watched a copy of Bruce Almighty. It was worth <laughs> it. It was so funny. It was worth it. That's the part that's most unbelievable about this scenario is that anybody would say it was worth it for that movie. My last note. This is pretty funny. In the movie, God contacts Bruce using an actual phone number Mm. rather than a number in the standard fictional 555 telephone exchange. Several people and groups sharing this number subsequently received hundreds of phone calls from people wanting to talk to God. Oh, God. (laughs) What is wrong with people? Including a church in North Carolina where the minister just happened to be named Bruce. (laughs) God damn. (laughs) The The... Producers of the film noted that the number was not in use in the area code, which they were in, so they never thought to check anywhere else. The home video and TV versions of the movie updated the number to a fake fictional number. Isn't that crazy though? Do you think people really thought they could talk to God or they were just bullshitting around? Unfortunately, no, I think they really, I think. Look how we can't go outside in America right now and that should tell you everything you need to know. Yes, there are people who called that number and said like, I I want to request a gift card from God. A gift card from God. (laughs) Why a gift card? (laughs) All right. Because stupid people always want gift cards. Okay, my last note. Most important note of the day. This movie won a lot of awards, 
It won the Nickelodeon's Kids' Choice Award, People's Choice Award, Teen's Choice Award, but most importantly, I'm not making this up, the Mexico MTV Movie Award for Best Picture. Most Divine Miracle in a Movie. Do you want to know what the miracle was? What? The Chest of Grace. What? Okay. Oh, he makes her boobs bigger? Yeah, Grace is his girlfriend, Jennifer Aniston. Uh Uh-huh. And remember he makes them bigger? That's the Most Divine Miracle in a Movie Award at the Mexico MTV Movie Awards. (sighs) Mexico has their award show priorities correct. (laughs) Right. It should be be fun like that. I mean, they should all be kind of boob-based. Yep. Thought of a couple more guesses. I got a fucking stout list of guesses here. Let's hear one. The Cable Guy. Is the Cable Guy in the top 10? No. It is... It's in my top 10, but yeah, it's number 19. Is great. How about Horton Hears a Who? Horton Hears a Who. Did you remember that or look it up? No, I remember. It's really easy to remember his movies for some reason to me. I have a bunch of them written down. I told you I started out with Mr. Popper's Penguins and I never even saw that. That's the biggest surprise of my week that you remembered that. Now, Horton Hears a Who, when you hear this movie. Is it in the top 10? Yes. It's based on a very famous Dr. Seuss book. It stars Jim Carrey and Steve Carell. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you assume that movie would do huge? Like that should be like number one or two probably, right? Most when of you, the... Do- when you think about it? Most of the, I think for some reason most of the Dr. Seuss movies, I don't see them doing like, I don't know. Uh, but also like when you have kids and it's not coronavirus and you're like, what the hell am I going to do with this kid? And you can take him to see a movie. This is one where you're just like, all right, we're gonna, I'm going to turn my brain off for an hour and 26 minutes and this is what we're doing. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's number eight. It's just under 300 million, 297. I just feel like, I don't know, like fucking trolls and shit makes like a billion dollars and I don't know. I was just kind of surprised you can go, to see this so low. Trolls is another one. It's like, yeah, I don't give a rat's ass what these fucking trolls are up to, but it's going to make my kid happy and it's something to do. It's going to kill a few hours in the day and like I'll, you know, listen to music. It's got some music in it. I know, but Horton Hears a Who, it's not doing as well. 297, it's, it's, I mean, it's, don't get me wrong, still very well at the box office, just not as well as I thought. It's number eight. It is a American computer animated adventure comedy film based on the book of the same name by Dr. Seuss. It features Jim Carrey as Horton the Elephant and Steve Carell as Mayor Ned McDodd. It has a pretty high 79% Rotten Tomato score, and it is the second Jim Carrey Dr. Seuss film. There's a hint. Yeah. Um, did you see this one? I already figured out the first one when I was writing down my guesses. I knew that like, when I was writing them down, I stumbled across that one. I thought, God damn, I bet that one's way up there. We'll get to it. I'll talk about it when we get to it. Okay. Have you seen Horton? No. I saw it, when, but it did not stand out to me. I hardly remember it. But did you know, so the, the studio for this was the same as Ice Age and you're familiar with Ice Age, right? You've at least seen Yeah, I think pieces. I've seen one of them. Well, they wanted to make Horton, the elephant, uh-huh. different from the mammoth design in Ice Age. So, they decided Horton would walk on two legs. Mm-hmm. He would walk on two legs in a way that looked like a quote, fat man in an elephant suit. <laughs> he would also be anatomically correct. <laughs> Uh, While the design had a major difference from the original book, with a bigger mouth to allow for wider facial expressions like those of Jim Carrey, bigger mouth is usually a plus in all aspects, am I right? Uh, The directors noticed Horton's design in the book varied according to his emotion. The 3D wireframe tried to allow for the same effects. Now, like other Dr. Seuss creations, Horton Hears a Who contains layered subtexts and messages. 
A major theme regards learning about the universal values between vastly different places and people, as shown by the quote, a person's a person no matter how small. This is employed on many levels, primarily with Horton, hearing a world in a speck, while also appearing with the mayor's relationship with the son, uh, and sour kangaroo learning the truth about the speck. Whoever the hell sour kangaroo is. I don't know. I didn't see this shit. A person's a person no matter how small. Doesn't that, that seems like a good quote that some people in America could use today. Now, I want your instant gut reaction to what I'm about to read you. Okay. There's an NPR host named Peter Seagal. Do you know that person? I know the name. He said when this movie came out that the movie characters display traditional gender roles. Here's his quote. In a new subplot added by the filmmakers, the mayor of Whoville has 96 mm-hmm. daughters. He has one son. Guess who gets all his attention? Guess who saves the day? I mean, yeah, it is. Like, what, what do you want to do? <laughs> I get it. It's, I know, it's I stupid. It's bad. It shouldn't have been in there. But like, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? You want to get an <laughs> apology from the person who made the movie? Yeah, then. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, don't show it to your kid and tell people you think it sucks. Yeah. I never, like, in uh, The Little Mermaid, same kind of thing. They had that whole performance at the beginning of the movie just to talk about how Ariel, all the Ariel's sisters, her other, her mermaid sisters, sing a song about how Ariel is the father's favorite. And here she is. And of course, you know, she's not there. She's off on an adventure. And uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, they sing a whole song about how their sister is acknowledged as their father's favorite. Yep. Fuck Little Mermaid, am I right? It's sick. All right. Well, let's talk about something less sick. Let's talk about your favorite topic in the world. Listener reviews? My balls. Oh, no. All right, let's talk about it. <laughs> you, knew, you knew it was coming. I let you know it's coming. Yeah. All right, here we go. Tell the people about your scrotum. We're going to get personal for a minute. I, lo- <laughs> I don't know how to do this. <laughs> if you're a man out there and you're shaving your balls, and by the way, if you're not shaving your balls, you're doing something wrong and you should probably unsubscribe from this show. But if you're shaving your balls, it's a tricky, delicate situation. Can you agree with that? It is risky business, but we do it. Those of us that like to be well-kept and groomed, we do it. But it doesn't have to be so scary anymore because Manscaped has the, their engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. Mm -hmm. And they just released the new and improved Lawnmower (laughs) 3.0. And I'm not, I'm holding it in my hand right now. Not my balls, but the Lawnmower 3.0. Balls may be in the other hand. Are you threatening to take a razor to your testicles on air, uh, <laughs> live on air? <laughs> the reason I'm telling you it's in my hand is so you and the listeners know this isn't just some ad that I'm reading. They sent me a kit. They sent mm-hmm. me the same kit that you can buy to test it out. And I am telling you the truth that it is one of those products that you never knew you needed until you had it. It is so nice to have a peaceful ball shaving experience. And... Not only does it come with the shaver, which by the way has a little light on it so you can see while you're shaving. You weren't wearing a, uh, a lantern set up on your head while you do it? Oh, like a, when you're mining? You're in the mines? Yeah, like a mi- you weren't wearing a miner's helmet when you were going at it? Well, I was, but now I don't need to because there's a very nice LED light on the razor. It illuminates grooming areas for a closer, more precise trimming. And it comes with some deodorant, ball toner. And for a limited time, comes with ball-sensitive underwear. So, you get all that. Let me tell you more about it, though. 
The third generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 3.0, features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery lasts up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. And the great thing about that 90 minutes... You could spend an hour and a half <laughs> shaving your nuts. Where's dad? Dinner's getting yeah. cold. Well, he's, he's enjoying the pleasurable experience of shaving your balls for 90 minutes. And our episodes are about 90 minutes long, which means you can press play on your favorite tennis podcast episode, go into the bathroom with your new Lawnmower 3.0 from Manscaped, and enjoy our episode for all 90 minutes of your ball shaving experience. Now, not only that, but it has water-resistant technology that allows you to groom in the shower. It has a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Or in the ocean, in a public pool, <laughs> in a fountain. <laughs> public pool. In the rain. It's all true. You're not wrong about any of this. But even if it's raining peanut butter, perhaps, you could maybe, mm -hmm. if any trimmer out there could handle the peanut butter rain, it's the lawnmower 3.0. I'm almost done. Bear with me. Let's not forget about the charging stand. You can show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. And if you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience the Lawnmower 3.0 firsthand for yourself so you can trim that junk of yours. I'm talking to you, Brandon. Mm -hmm. This is a good deal. You get 20% off plus free shipping, but you have to use our special unique promo code which is Tenish, the name of our show, 10ISH. Go to manscaped.com, add this to your cart, and buy it. You'll get 20% off plus free shipping. Use the promo code 10ish, 10ISH. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and the promo code 10ish. And I promise you, you will not regret it. Your balls will thank you. I feel like they missed an opportunity when they named it the Lawnmower 3.0. They could have named it Bushwhacker. Mm-hmm probably taken already. Mm. And by the way, one more thing is this is a way to support our show. If you want to support your balls or your man's balls, we sell enough of these and Manscaped will sign on as a long-term sponsor. So, do it. Use the promo code TENNIS. Every shorn sack out there is a vote in favor of the TENNIS podcast. It's true. Well, I know you were dying to talk about that, so you're welcome. Now, let's see. You have... Physically fucking ill. So, you have three or four left here. Is man on the moon in the top 10? No, it's not in the top 20. Good. Let me tell you 20 through 11. A lot of them No, no, got, no. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Tell okay, them at the right. end. I'm still good with my guesses. All right. Kick-ass 2. No, absolutely not. Okay. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yes, sir. Number three. Now, I've been looking forward to talking about this one most of all because I have the most fascinating notes on it. Have you I seen that, How the Grinch Stole Christmas? Yes, I think it's terrifying. <laughs> it is scary. It's good though, right? It's, no, I strongly prefer, strongly prefer the animated Chuck Jones version. I think it's a lot funnier and anyway, the version where he's in the costume and all the other people in the costumes just freaks me out. I, the, some of them have yeah. the costumes and it just scares the hell out of me. It's like a nightmare. Well, I said it's a nightmare. The Grinch, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. It's number three with 345 million. Came out in 2000. It's an American Christmas fantasy comedy drama film directed by Ron Howard based on Dr. Seuss's 1957 book of the same name. And did you know it was the first Dr. Seuss book to be adapted into a full length film? I can't. I mean, did you know that? And they followed it up with uh, The Cat in the Hat, which was the same thing, <laughs> but even more terrifying. 
I think that's a low-key horror film, like legit horror genre film. Just, it's, yeah. Something else I didn't realize, even though I've seen How the Grinch Stole Christmas a bunch of times, mm-hmm. it's narrated by Anthony Hopkins. Did you know that? No, I didn't. That, that, okay. uh, I did not know that. I'm blowing your mind with fun facts today. Hashtag Nick's Notes coming through. The cartoon was narrated by Boris Karloff, who played Frankenstein, the Fra- or Frankenstein's monster. Yep. Anyway, The Grinch, the 2000 movie, fucking scary as hell. Yeah. If we were looking at US only and not worldwide, this would be number one. Mm-hmm. And it was the second highest grossing holiday film of all time behind Home Alone. And that record stood until 2018 when this was surpassed by the latest cartoon version of The Grinch called The Grinch with Benedict Cumberpatch. The 2000 version with Jim Carrey won the Academy Award for Best Makeup. Now, did you know this? Hot shot. Before his death in 91, Dr. Seuss had refused offers to sell the film rights to his books. However, his greedy widow, Audrey Giesel. (laughs) his greedy widow. I added greedy, greedy in there. She might have been the one that he abused. Uh, so Did he abuse? I don't know anything about him. Yeah, Dr. Seuss was a bit of a b-hole in his personal life. Mm. Most famous people are. I know you are. Yep. Anyway, Dr. Seuss refused film rights, uh, but his widow, Audrey Giesel, agreed to several merchandising deals. And in July 1998, her agents announced via letter she would auction the film rights of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. In order to pitch their ideas to Giesel, the suitors ultimately had to be willing to pay $5 million for the material and hand over 4% of the box office gross, 50% of the merchandising revenue and music-related material, and 70% of the income from book tie-ins. The letter also stated that any actor submitted for The Grinch must be of comparable statue, stature to Jack Nicholson, Jim Carrey, Robin Williams, and Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> Can you imagine a Dustin Hoffman Grinch? Wait, who were they? They were Jack Nicholson does not sanction this buffoonery. Jim Carrey, Robin Williams, who could have worked. Yeah. And Dustin Hoffman. No. But I like how she named four specific people. This is her word. She wrote this in a letter and sent it to film studios. Like, you got to have someone of this caliber. Well, she fucking, she got her way. Now, get this. Additionally, the letter said that the estate would not consider a director or writer who had not earned at least one million on a previous picture. Uh, Well, they also nailed that too. Yeah. Well, I mean, this sounds kind of crazy. Like you're hearing me say all this and you're like, man, she's demanding. But honestly, I don't blame her for any of this because yeah, if you're going to do it, Grinch do it right. Christmas is, yeah, it's one of the most important famous children's books of all time. <laughs> People have been wanting to make it a movie forever. If you're going to make yeah. this freaky, disgusting horror movie, you better, better damn well do it right. Let me tell you about the suit, the Grinch suit uh-huh. that Jim Carrey wore. This is also interesting to me. It was covered in yak hair dyed green, and sewed into a spandex suit. The application of the makeup took up to two and a half hours, which doesn't sound that bad to me by film makeup standards. Mm-hmm. Does it to you? Two and a half hours? Doesn't sound that bad. Anyway, it took two and a half hours to put it on every day, after which a frustrated Jim Carrey kicked a hole in the wall of his trailer. <laughs> you asked me if it sounds bad to spend two and a half hours putting on Grinch makeup and you spent 90 <laughs> minutes uh, shaving your balls, of course. <laughs> Of course, two and a half hours is nothing to you. You can do that yeah, stall on your head with your, <laughs> getting your balls trimmed. My pristinely trimmed balls hanging down. Uh, Carrie's makeup artist took the most from Carrie's anger. 
Quote, on set, Carrie was really mean to everybody, and at the beginning of the production, they couldn't finish. After two weeks, we could only finish three days worth of shooting schedule because suddenly he would just disappear, and when he came back, everything was ripped apart. We couldn't shoot anything. So the, the um, makeup artist left production mm-hmm. until someone had a discussion with Carrie on how important she was to the production. Carrie agreed to keep his anger in check, and the artist returned. I, I keep saying artist because I don't know her name, and I don't think anyone's heard of her. Uh, but she returned to the role. Uh, meanwhile, Josh Ryan Evans, who played the eight-year-old Grinch. Remember the little boy Grinch in the movie? Mm-hmm. He wore the same makeup and bodysuit that Carrie wore. In total, Carrie spent 92 days in the Grinch makeup and became adept at remaining calm while sitting on the makeup chair. <laughs> well, I guess all the money that he earned from it, the millions of dollars he got probably made up for it. Yeah, poor Jim Carrey. Poor Jim Carrey, how difficult it must have been for him to sit still and, ha- and drink juice through a straw while someone put makeup on him and then later paid him millions of dollars. Kissed his butt. I had not heard, I know Jim Carrey's eccentric, we covered that at the top, but I had not heard of him being difficult like this in a movie other than Man on the Moon. I didn't know, he to- was he tearing up the costume or the set? It, didn't, it does not specify, it just says everything would be torn apart. Everything was ripped apart is the quote. To me, it sounds like he is tearing at his makeup and like, how much of a child are you? Do you not, I mean, do you not realize that everyone else around you is also wearing makeup and that's the whole idea with this movie is that it looks like the cartoon, but real and you're going to have to wear this shit in order to earn your $20 million? Yeah. What a whiny bitch. It's only for 92 days, which is sure it's a lot, but not when you're getting paid $20 million. I could do it. Yeah, I'll do it. Give me that money. I'll do it. We'll reshoot the whole thing. Oh, man. They'd have to stop filming by like 7 o'clock every night though so you could get to bed. <laughs> get this shit off me. <laughs> they need to stop filming at 4 o'clock so you can make it to the early bird dinners at the uh, All right. restaurants you could. <laughs> okay, so what's another, another Christmas movie that Jim Carrey's done? Uh, Christmas Carol. Did yeah. that one get a, make a bunch of money? Number five, 325 million. What number? It's number five? Yeah. For some reason, I didn't think that one would make a ton of money. I didn't even bother writing it down. I, never I thought it'd make a ton of money because it's a super famous story he that played, nobody seems to get tired of. He played a whole bunch of different roles, right? Or several different roles. Yeah. Ebenezer Scrooge and let's see, here's the, it says, it's a film adaptation of Charles Dickens' 1843 story of the same name. It stars Jim Carrey in a multitude of roles including Ebenezer Scrooge and the three ghosts who haunt Scrooge. So, he was also the ghosts. Came out in 09. This is one of the lowest Rotten Tomato scores we've had so far, 52%. Uh, it was produced through the process of motion capture, a technique used in previous films like the Polar Expre- Express and Beowulf. By the way, side note, I hate that animation style. Yeah, I think what do you sucks. think of it? I think it's boring. Whatever. I'm sure there'll be it's a, like a, either the just animate or use real actors. Yeah, I don't care anything about Polar Express style animation at all. It's this weird middle ground that I don't understand. All right, it is Disney's third feature film, a retelling of A Christmas Carol, 1983, with Mickey. And 92's Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, I saw this recently because it was on, I think it's on Disney Plus. One of my kids was watching it. And yeah, it's a real turd, I thought. Yeah, I don't, I I saw it once when it first came out in 09 and I did not like it. Stop doing that CGI that looks like real people. They voted him favorite voice from an animated movie at the 2010 Kids' Choice Awards. Kids, you don't know nothing. So, that means it was a good movie. Should have been SpongeBob every year. (laughs) <laughs> no, you're not wrong. Absolutely. I agree with you on that. All right, you got three left. 
How about... Two of them we've mentioned already. Have we mentioned the Truman Show? No. It's not in the that top That is 10? on here though. It is. No, oh. it is. It is. It's number nine. And I'm going to give you a hot take. Mm-hmm. It's his best film ever. I haven't seen it since it came out. Really? Yeah. And not, not in like an I avoided it kind of way. And I liked it. I thought it was good. I thought it was a really unique idea. It was really well done. I just haven't had a chance to like watch it again. Uh, I would. Yeah, it is really good. I, w- I just wasn't going to be surprised if it wasn't in the top 10. It is his best movie and critics agree because it's 94%. It's his highest film rating ever, or at least that I came across. Came out in 98 with $264 million at the box office. It stars Jim Carrey as Truman Burbank, who grew up living an ordinary life that, unbeknown to him, takes place on a large set populated by actors for a television show about him until he discovers the truth and decides to escape. My favorite aspect of this movie, mm-hmm. first of all, points for a super original story. But the, all the little stuff on this, like just how everyone is an actor at all times. Like there's not a single person he knows that's not an actor. Right. And like all the lengths they go to, it's just so fascinating. I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies. So, you should get off your ass and see it again. I will. Okay. It earned him a lot of nominations at various awards. It's been analyzed as a thesis on Christianity, metaphilosophy, simulated reality, existentialism, surveillance, privacy, and reality television. I think that's all fair. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tim Burton and Steven Spielberg were among the directors that were at one point attached or at least sought after for this project before it went to the relatively unknown Peter Weir. Glad it was not Tim Burton. Yeah, I'm over Tim Burton. It was just really well done how it was. Anyway, last note, Weir, the director, wanted the film to be funnier, feeling that the script was too dark and declaring that where the script was depressing, I could make it light. It could convince audiences that they could watch a show in the scope 24-7. So, the script went through 16 drafts before being considered final. Well, um, for good reason then, because it turned yep. out, I think, yeah, it got, all, got nominated for awards and got pats on the back. Yeah. Yeah, Academy Awards too, not just anything. And, and uh, good old Ed Harris. I love Ed Harris. He's one of the unsung heroes of Hollywood. I'll, I'll sing him. The Truman Show. Huh? I'll sing him. I'll sing his heroism. The Truman Show is drama done right for a Jim Carrey project, right? Because it's still funny, but it has big, important themes to it. Yeah. So, anyway, give me another guess. You need six and uh, what? Six and seven? Is that it? Yeah. Yeah, Lemony Snicket. No, that's 13. All right. I have two left. Two guesses left written down. Hopefully, they're both on here. Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes, it's number six. Haven't seen it. Kids saw it. Haven't Don't. seen it. I'm trying to avoid it. Well, some people really like it. Uh, someone on, a, on my Twitter, remember? <laughs> some people really like head cheese. I'm not about to try that shit. Whoa, damn. Some people really like shaving their balls. Yeah. Sonic is number six with 307 million. Came out in 2020. It's the most recent release. This came out like two or three weeks before fucking pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. It is a hurried. 2020 action adventure. Hurried to huh? get that, probably hurried to get it out. No, it was delayed, remember? Oh, right, yeah. It was a 2020 action-adventure comedy film based on the video games franchise by Sega. It stars Ben Schwartz as the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog and Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik. Has James Marsden as well as some others. 64% on Rotten Tomatoes. Dr. Robotnik is supposed to be fat and round. Well, not everything has to be a direct one-to-one 
clone of the video game. You can have some creative license. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, the film was originally supposed to come out in November 2019, but people were in such an uproar over the design of Sonic in the trailers that they took some extra months. He did look really weird. To delay. Yeah. If you look up Sonic, the final product of Sonic in the movie compared to the original design, it is striking. But I've heard the theory that they did that on purpose for the bad publicity to get publicity on the movie. I think Who that's knows? a very expensive thing to do to get. I think it, Maybe I th- they built it into the budget. I don't know. I think uh, maybe so. But yeah, I, I hear that kind of stuff is expensive. Well, Sonic, it's been a major video game series forever. So, it's probably not surprising to hear that this has been in the work since the 90s. They were trying to make a movie since the 90s. Finally, in 2013, Sony picked it up and then Paramount picked it up in 2017. The majority of the cast signed on by August 2018 and filming took place in Vancouver and Vancouver Island. Early drafts also featured more scenes in Sonic's world, with Tails being presented as Sonic's best friend in his world. Another draft also featured Tails as a main character. However, Tails' role was eventually reduced to a cameo in post credit scenes. Spoiler. But they tease that Tails will be in a potential sequel. Now, here's what I thought was super interesting. 2020, from a movie standpoint, basically ended in March, right? As far as theaters. There has not been any major releases in theaters since March. Everything's either been delayed or pushed to on-demand video at home. Right. So, because of that, this film, which only grossed, well, only in quotes, grossed $306 million, uh, which is a lot. But, you know, I, just a few minutes ago, we talked about films doing billions last year, right? But this year, because of how shitty this year has been, $306 million is enough to make Sonic the number one film of the year. <laughs> the number one film of the year. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's got an asterisk yep. by it, but <laughs> yeah. And it is the highest grossing video game film adaptation of all time. The Verge gave the film a positive review praising the nostalgic elements, writing that it shines when it remembers it's based on a video game and there's some genuinely fun stuff like when Sonic uses his blah, blah, blah. Carrie plays up Robotnik as the cartoon villain he is, and it's a true delight to watch him in his element. Last but not least, a sequel was announced. Of course. There you go. Now, if you can't get number seven, I'll be really disappointed in you. Okay. My last guest. We've already talked about it. I'm confident now that I am correct about it being on the list. Liar, liar is number seven. Liar, liar. It is number seven with 303 million. When I think of that movie, if I think about a joke that sticks with me or a line that sticks with me, especially uh, in recent years, it's when he screams into the phone, stop breaking the law, asshole. (laughs) That's his legal advice. Uh, That's right. That is his legal advice. There's a part that sticks out to me, which is when he tells the judge that he wants to get out and he says, I have to go to the bathroom. And the (laughs) judge says, can't it wait? And he says... He goes into a long thing about how it can damage your, you know, right, uh, you're, make you're, you not able to get an erection. Right. Uh, and the judge says, is that true? And Jim goes, it has to be. And then <laughs> the judge, he breaks for recess. That's right. He kind of says it desperately, right? It has to be. Well, I think he said, I think the idea there is he wasn't sure if it was true or not while he was saying it. Oh, And right. then once it was out, he realized it is true because I was able to say it. Tell the people at home about Liar Liar. Yeah, if you haven't seen it. Something's Wrong With Your Life. It is a 1997 American fantasy comedy film. I would not have dubbed it a fantasy. uh, Where a father cannot tell a lie to anyone, including his young son. Not just a father, but a lawyer. And as we all know, lawyers need to lie because they're 
They're just terrible people. Has an 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. And it is, this is from hashtag Nick's Notes, a direct line. This is Nick's third favorite Jim Carrey film ever after The Truman <laughs> Show and Dumb and Dumber. I don't remember a ton about it other than I think what, I the moments you. we've already walked, talked about. Well, I saw it when I don't it first understand came you. out. But why haven't you seen it since? I don't know. I mean, I've picked up like it's been on TV when I've walked by. So, I probably watched like, you know, 15 random minutes in the middle every few years since then. It's not like I'm avoiding it or, or anything. It's just I haven't sat down like, all right, it's time for the annual screening of Liar Liar. It's Liar Liar Day at our house. Well, Liar Liar Day should be a thing. It's only 86 minutes. That's a really short movie. I just remembered the best part of the movie. It's when he, ha- he sleeps with, I, don't, I can't remember if it's his boss or just someone higher than him at his law firm. And he sleeps with her and they wake up and this is the first time he can't lie. He wakes up and, they si- and she says, how was that? And he says, I've had better. <laughs> and then she kicks him out. Uh, wasn't the mom's boyfriend or the, it was the mom's boyfriend, the mom's new boyfriend played by, what's his name? Carrie Ellis. Carrie Ellis. Who's like just a total, isn't my thing of a total dweeb? He's, he's trying, yes. but he sucks bad. He's a goober. He's a goober, but he wasn't a bad stepdad, was he? He wasn't like secretly like... No, but he was lame. He was lame. He, he was, was not lame. bad, but he was lame. Yeah. Right. I like it when the stepdad is not uh, like secretly saying like the moment your dad's gone, I'm going to beat that shit out of you. <laughs> when he's just... He's a cool yeah, guy I'm, too. He's just a different dude. I like that too, Brandon. I like it when parents don't beat up their children. I do like that. Okay, well, let me go through the top 10. Yeah. I'm going to go through the top 10 starting at 20. Right. Which doesn't make sense when you repeat the words I said. But we're going to start at 20. 20 is the number 23. 19 is The Cable Guy. Mm -hmm. 18 is Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. 17 is Me, Myself, and Irene. 16 is Dumb and Dumber 2. I'm surprised you didn't guess that one. I can't believe it even made the 20. 15 is Mr. Popper's Penguins. Yeah. 14, (laughs) you didn't mention this one. Fun with Dick and Jane. Never That's saw a good it. One. Yeah. 13 is Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events. 12 is Ace Ventura When Nature Calls. 11 is Yes Man. Now to the top 10. Dumb and Dumber at 10. 9 is his best film, The Truman Show. 8 is Horton Hears a Who. 7 is Liar Liar, which Brandon's going to watch tonight. Mm-hmm. 6 is Sonic the Hedgehog. 5 is A Christmas Carol. Four is Batman Forever. Three is How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Two is The Mask, for some reason. <laughs> it sucks. And number one, by a good margin, is Bruce Almighty. Ace Ventura 2 wasn't in the top 20? No, it was... Oh, it was no, one, right. it was, it yeah. Oh, Jesus. Oh, uh, it was. It was 12. It was 12. Okay. Ace Ventura 1 is 18. Ace Ventura 2 is 12. Okay. Everything is right with the world. Oh, I forgot to read this review from Liar Liar. Let me do it real quick. Roger Ebert gave the film three stars and stated, I am gradually developing a suspicion or perhaps a fear that Jim Carrey is growing on me. <laughs> oh, God. That's awfully serious. But you know what won't be growing on you? Uh, hair on your balls. Exactly. Now, let's end this amazing episode with some amazing podcast reviews. Keep our goods, what'd you say, skeet bot and beaten uh-huh. mood. We're going to keep it going here. So, first review comes from Ortis Jared on Apple Podcasts. I listened to the top 10 horror movies and really enjoyed the content. 
Nick and Brandon, did you notice how Nick is always listed first? I think the people get it. I think mm-hmm. they understand. Nick and Brandon bring tons of facts and history to the top 10 list. It's more than just a countdown show. It's a podcast with history, comedy, pop culture, and more. I promise you will learn something new with every episode. And more. And more. But he didn't say you'll learn something good or important or just useful new. every episode. Just, some, just something. Because those would all be lies, yes. You might learn that Jim Carrey was an asshole during the filming of The Grinch. But is that important? Probably not. But thank you for that review. Alex File on Apple Podcasts says, Made a fan out of me? Great and informative podcast. And their top 10 sports episode was very surprised to see some of the sports. Cricket, for example. They also work well and build off one another in an engaging way. Keep it up! You sounded like uh, <laughs> uh, Axel Rose at the end there. <laughs> well, he put three exclamation points. Welcome so, to the jungle! Yeah, three exclamation points. I have to amp it up times three. You did. What do you expect? Good job. Thanks yeah. for the reviews. Thanks for the reviews. And if you want me to read or scream your review like Axel Rose, just go to Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, rate us five stars, write a review, and we will read it on a future episode. Hell yeah. Well, what do we do now? Mm, go swimming. Do you have any hints for your list next week? Is it going to be happy or sad? Um, I don't know yet. It's going to be both happy and sad. Same time. Okay. Well, if you have an idea for Brandon, let him know on Twitter at Sidekick Host. They won't let me know in time. Not for this one. Just give me an idea. Send, tweet me some ideas. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't have to be lists, just ideas. Have you ever thought of this Just an idea. Where do you get your ideas yeah. from? Tweet that to me. You can do the same for me at the Nick and Mel. And you can follow us, the brand. <laughs> the brand. Listen to me. You can follow the podcast at Tennis Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All right. I think we're done. Good job, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.